You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Joy Episala. Joy, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thanks for asking me. Joy, uh, let's talk about your show. You have a show up now at Tibor Jinaj um, in the city, New York City. It's, it's running through July 29th of 2022, and the title of it is Crack, Fold, Burn, Bright. Is, is that correct? Correct, yep. So, so tell me about this show a little bit. It's, it's um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a beautiful show, and um, for the listeners who are trying to imagine it or will go see it, um, this, is, this is a show, can we say, of, of photographic works, right? This is all photographic paper you're using with, with emulsion on it. Is that correct? Right. So it's, it's silver gelatin, black and white photographic paper, but as I think about photographs as being objects to begin with, they're a thing, um, the works in the show I call foldograms, and I'm pushing the envelope farther into where photography or photographs or even video, for that matter, um, becomes more sculptural. Well, it's very experimental, too. You're, you're, you're in a completely experimental area, right? Because we're not talking about negatives or a camera or even, right. or even a traditional image. We're, we're working with the, the paper itself as, as, as the medium. Yes. Or and, the silver emulsion, way, maybe it, we should say, yeah. Well, the, the paper itself, and yes, it has the silver emulsion. And in fact, a photograph, as we think of it, or a black and white photograph, the image is embedded in that silver emulsion. So in this case, what you're seeing or you may read as image uh, is also embedded into the paper because it's done with light, but it's cameraless and it's negativeless. Um, I'm using photographic chemicals, and everything that you see uh, is, become, is all from the process of making them. And they're made in motion, um, and all the things that you're not supposed to do to a photograph, like bend it or crack, crack the surface, the emulsion, ding it, uh, those are all the, those kind of ways of the damage is what I'm using in a positive way towards making these. Yeah, they're just, they're just gorgeous. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, what is your in that process that you're talking about? And these are often, you know, fairly large sheets of paper. There's one gigantic roll. But what I'm wondering is, how are these done in a in a dark room? Because typically, when when I think of silver prints like this, they're uh, they're done in a dark room. There's, mm-hmm. you know, or those are the rules anyway. Um, but how are you working? Your studio itself must be very unusual, I would think. Well, first off, I'm definitely for breaking all the rules, and I do have a dark room. Um, it's not, all, you know, it's a, it's not that all that big, and well, the black, the large black foldogram piece in the show, the one that you're talking about, that is a whole roll of silver gelatin paper. That was done in the dark room. Uh, it's quite performative because I'm wrestling with this very large roll of paper over, you know, a pretty long amount of time, and I do it in sequence of 
you know, time-wise, just because it's 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 um, work. And, and so, so, so yeah, that, that, that's what, that, that's what's hard to imagine. You're almost dancing in there, right? You've got this giant yep. roll that you're trying to manipulate <laughs> yes. through. I don't know whether they're trays or a pool of well, how you're even well, getting the chemicals I, on there. Yeah, I mean, I think with this one, I probably did it in garbage bags. Um, sometimes I'm doing it in, in trays that it doesn't fit into, which could have something to do with the way something turns out. It really depends on how I'm working. And in some cases, it's not just darkroom light, but it's also just daylight. And I'm using the photographic chemicals for the paper, but not necessarily in the, in the established order. I'm also using old chemicals sometimes. Um, it just depends. So does that mean also that, that most, most of these works, right? The, and you've been working this way for, for, for quite a while. This has gone, gone back decades, hasn't it? Well, uh, with these works, about 10 years. I started making photographs. I mean, I've, made, I've, I've printed in black and white for years. I've printed in color myself for years. Um, I, I started making photograms again, started working in, black, in the darkroom again, like, let's say 2013. So it's almost 10 years. And I was making photograms. Uh, and then I started to make these a little while later. And I call them foldograms because of the way in which... I am establishing the texture and the manipulation of the paper and fold. Well, that, rela- that, that, that relates to photograms to the idea of like placing things on the paper, right? Which was, a, uh, you know, that's part, right. that's part of they it. Are, yeah. Yes, they are photograms, in fact, and, and in the fact that they're cameraless and negativeless. And so really photograms are about light, using light to expose the paper. So in Man Ray's case, he put objects on the paper, right? Those are probably the ones people know the best, maybe, or know of. And so if you place an object on a piece of silver gel and paper and expose it to light and then remove the object and then put it in the developer and the stop and the fix and the wash, what will be left is the um, where that object was placed. When you remove it, that area would be white and everything around it would be darker. So in this case the folds and the manipulation of the paper ends up making, um, let's say, you know how when you have a piece of paper and you scrunch it all up and you let it go? So it has, it, that paper has memory in a sense too. Mm. And it has a, a resilience in fact. And so that, like that large foldogram, this is its sixth iteration. So the way in which it becomes a new iteration is depending on the site in which it's going to be installed. And so this is the sixth. Go ahead. And is it also changing, like the color? Because you're doing things, as you said, no. in breaking the rules. Are they, are they mm-hmm. permanent or are they, are they still changing? So are they they're fixed? pretty permanent, yeah, because in the, yeah. File, in the file analysis, they are fixed uh, as best I can for a big role, but yes. I mean, there might be some change, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't be all that, I don't know how how detectable it is or not. And in the final analysis, they'll probably outlive us. They're they're quite right. um, resilient. Well, to stay with that, 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 that one, the, the larger piece, um, you know, which is, which is really a beautiful one. This is, this is a huge long piece from a gigantic roll of paper, which seems unusual. It's a full roll. Because, 
Yeah, the full roll. So, I mean, rolls of paper are also rare. I mean, I, I would imagine the silver gelatin paper, I would think, is, is more and more rare. But a roll, um, you know, is kind of this extraordinary object. It's, it's, you've turned it into a huge sculpture, but also uh, in, in terms of just photography and paper, that's an enormous amount of paper, right? That's just quite rare, or it seems to be almost like a precious object in itself. Well, there are places that are still making rolls of paper. Um, there's, you know, still places where you can buy chemicals and you can buy rolls of paper. And probably a lot of the time people buy rolls of paper for the darkroom to make, to cut, cut it down into certain sizes that they want, you know. So some of the other prints in the show are cut from a, another roll. Um, they're like 67 inches by 42 inches or, you know, somewhere in that for the larger ones and then you can get into sheet sizes that some of the pieces in the show there's a few that are 20 by 24 and there's actually a real small one that's like 8 by 10 so but yes the paper is still thank goodness being made thank the goddess Mm. and um so not yeah yeah you can find it it is right, but if somebody's yeah, because I don't know about that world. It seems to me it's still this kind of extraordinary <laughs> object. No, analog, and, and so yeah, yeah, analog, yeah. you know, black and white photography still lives, and I think actually there's becoming, you know, people are looking at that again closer, you know, paying attention in a different way. Well, certainly um, this show helps us, helps us with that. Yeah, I mean, when, when I was looking at the whole show, there's also this, this tonal range, which maybe we can talk about, because that's also what, mm-hmm. what analog photography, silver gelatin prints, or, you know, are, are about, right? You're getting blacks that, are, that a painter can't really get, or, or, or other tones that are, that are mm-hmm. as I see it, peculiar to photography, right, or particular to photography. Well, in this case because I'm doing things not necessarily in the right order or exposing something to daylight as opposed to the darkroom light which is filtered the silver um, salts you know the silver in the in the paper reacts differently and in some cases I've heated it and used like a propane torch and that too reacts seems to react with the um, the silver in the paper and that's where those other what you'd say to be color is coming from but it's actually quite chemical and um yeah yeah that's the, interesting the that results of things well, happening uh, together that yeah will will make those results so i'm really getting into the process and what the chemistry does and what kinds of um there's almost, there's almost seems like the mineral deposit of the silver in the surface of the paper seems to show itself in a slightly different way maybe than a, I mean, there's commonality with a black and white photograph. If you look at it in certain light, you'll see that there's almost a silver essence to it. And these have that very much, like that big one, because the surface has been so worked, it's almost buffed in a way, and it almost seems mm. like metal, maybe, or there, it just has like very interesting um, tonality, and the way the light hits it also changes what you're seeing. Oh, it also has so incredible what, depth. I mean, it is, it is this kind of depth of it struck me as almost like color field painting sometimes has. Uh-huh. It, it also has a kind of an endless feel that 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 amount of it, right? That like you're seeing, you might see it in other 
photographs, but the amount you're you're using, especially in that long piece, makes it also seem mm-hmm. kind of all all enveloping. Or you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what your experience of kind of color field painting is, but mine is sometimes with Ed Reinhardt or others, it can seem like sure. a, a complete universe in itself, like a exactly. Well, I think that you know, there's a lot of painters that I'm really interested in, and you know, those kind of things that you really like, you hope you're influenced by and you bring it forward in a whole different way. And and with the work that you're, with, with this show and um, and what you're working on now, is it strictly silver gelatin? Is there other processes that you use in terms of um, emulsion? Well, with the foldogram so far, it's been silver gelatin paper and I've also started using color, um, you know, like, Zebra, you know, zebra chrome, sea print paper. Um, those are, I haven't. I mean, so I'm working on them. So you, they're quite different because there's much more of a plastic in that paper, um, and the range is different and it reacts differently. I've used, and then the other thing I work a lot in is um, video. So. Yeah. So what's happening there? Should we talk about something that's happening? This, this, the, the link would be here for listeners to come to the show, of course, that we're discussing. Sure. Is, is, is there a video yeah, yeah. that you're working on in your studio now that, that, um, yes. Yeah, that we yes. should talk I, about? I've been working on a, uh, well, we can. Um, I've been working on a, a film that's it's about 34 minutes long right now. It's still it's not quite finished. It's called As Long As There's You, As Long As There's Me. And it's based on non-performance performance. So over, I went back and looked at a lot of footage that I've shot over maybe 18 years. And in the last, say, eight, I've really honed in on the things that made connections with things that I would pay attention to. And it's a little bit like a road trip because I'm taking you on a journey of seeing things that there was no audience for, but now you as the viewer become the audience. It's all in black and white. And it's going to have its um, premiere at the Palais de Tokyo next February 2023, uh, part of Chapter 7, Arms Ache, Avid Aeon, with um, Zoe Leonard, Nancy Brooks Brody, and Kari Yamaoka, because the three of them and me are in a, collective called Fierce Pussy. Fierce Pussy is the fifth artist. And that chapter, this is the seventh chapter of this big project that we've been working on since 2018 with Joey Tang, who has been incredible um, comrade, confidant, and curator in this whole project. And uh, it's part of a larger show that's at the Palais de Tokyo that'll open in February called Exposure, based on a book by Elizabeth Lebovici. And so the film's going to be premiered there in the, in the exhibition. That's very exciting. And, and when will that be coming up? It's coming up later this year? Yeah, yes, no, 2023. Next, 2020, yes, February 2023, yeah. At Palais de Tokyo. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that'll be a single-channel or a multi-channel video? But it'll be, um, excuse me, a single-channel, and uh, but the... I think that the audio part will be, there'll be a, maybe a multiple speaker situation. 
I'm, I'm glad we talked about that show because I just going back to the to the show at, at Tibor Dinage. Um, one thing we didn't discuss is, is is the content, right? We're talking about the form. This is an experimental, you know, a, approach. Um, what about what about content or the or the feel of it all? It is. Um, uh, you know, burning and, and, and kind of what looks like um, sometimes destructive forces also have a certain feeling, right? Is, do you see it as there, uh, there's a narrative in here at all? Or is there, I don't mean to be stretching for one, but just like even in color field paintings, painters have different ideas about the kind of universe they're bringing you into. Do you have a thought that, that moves in that direction? Well, I would say content, that as a, as a queer person in the world, um, making these objects that are not necessarily recognizable, first off, there's a kind of way of subverting protocols, but also subverting maybe how people see, and maybe there's a way in which they're, they, they're seductive for you to look at, and you're looking and you're wondering what you're looking at, and it's a way to take space and hold space literally because of the way in which they are installed. Um, and I don't see it so much as destructive. I see it as an opening up a new venue or like going through a portal of a new, a new way to be because given the state of affairs right now, I think we have to find new new avenues and new ways so that we can all survive. And so one of the reasons why I think the analog process appeals to me is that it's not, it's, you can't duplicate it. Um, there's only the one. It's unique in that, but it changes form. So there's this shape shifting that happens. And I think uh, queer people in general find shape-shifting to be a very interesting mode. I think that's, I'm so glad you said that. That's so interesting. Um, if it's not too much of a, of a stretch out there, does that also relate to, um, I'm thinking of the book Glitch Feminism by Legacy Russell, who was talking about um, queer bodies and presentation and the idea of, which this almost seems to fit, and I don't mean to be putting it in any boxes because that book was certainly about not, not kind of checking off boxes, but the way you just described mm -hmm. the, the work in terms of uh, queer bodies or, or queer culture relates almost to that. Like um, she was talking about glitches. She just did a, or, you know, curated a show with, with um, I don't know about Unquilt, but it was just kind of, you know, artists doing something that, that isn't completely clear what's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm really kind of butchering that up a bit, but, but she's saying <laughs> that there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, artists can kind of create a sort of glitch culture, which makes you stop and think what, what, what's, what's happening here, essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely would relate to that. Absolutely. Um, you know, the glitch in the matrix may be our way out, right? You know, um, if you can subvert, the patriarchal um, mode of behavior and what we see right now taking away our rights as citizens and as human beings and trying to, you know, um, make laws 
to keep people from being themselves and um, not having the freedoms that we are supposed to, you know, uh, should expect to have, then I think you people react to that. And so those reactions come in all fields, right? Whether it be writing or, um, you know, somebody giving a speech or a way of making art, I think it's all of those things um, become a kind of a powerful way of trying to make a difference. I agree. Thanks so much for, for uh, sharing that as, as well. And um, Joy, I, I wish you well in this show, and I hope everybody comes to see it. There's links here for that. But I, I want to ask you one last question, which is um, what are you reading at the moment? Wow. So um, I've reread Jane Austen again because I find it very um, soothing given the situation or <laughs> listening to news. I have in front of me, um, this is not my memoir by Andre Gregory, which I've read, which is wonderful. Um, Andre is an incredible storyteller. And the next thing up on my reading list is Teaching to Transgress by Bell Hooks. Well, thank you. Thank you for mentioning those. And um, Joy, I just want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure, and I wish you well with your show at Tibor Dinas. Thank you so much. Thanks for um, talking to me. Appreciate it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.